This episode of Manage Smarter is brought to you by SalesFuel Sales Manager Training. Based on the Sales Manager's Guide to Greatness, it's a 36-lesson on-demand program to upskill your sales manager so they can execute your vision and drive consistent revenue growth. Watch a free lesson and find out more at salesfuel.com SMT. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Come in, come in, everyone. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Show. I'm Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And Lee, you are? I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the President <laughs> and CEO of SalesFuel. Man, we have a treat for you today. This guest, he's a live wire. Luis Gonzalez, how are you, sir? Thank you for coming. Doing, doing well. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Luis is a communications consultant. He's a coach and a trainer with more than 25 years experience in helping improve business outcomes for organizations successfully, uh, driven learning initiatives, incorporating effective communication, cross-cultural uh, communication, customer satisfaction, and the squishy uh, skills. Isn't that what you guys call it? The soft skills? <laughs> And uh, Luis is currently working with CEOs, leaders, and individuals, positively impacting business outcomes through effective communication in global, multicultural, and remote team settings. He's worked in India, Mexico, and Brazil. He's a keynote speaker. We are lucky to have him because today, Lee, we're going to talk about managing a multicultural organization. We're going to talk about having difficult conversations while doing that, and also talking a little bit about being in a vacuum with the way that we're working right now. So all three, he's a triple threat. Let's do it. Let's have at it. I'm ready. So, Lee, where do you want to start? Well, I'm thinking about multicultural organizations. It's like okay. with the uh, you know, with more people working remote these days. Uh, you know, and, and you know, depending on when you're hearing this, hopefully, you know, right now we're in a pandemic. Hopefully, we post-pandemic when you're listening to this. Um, is it easier nice. or harder now because of, because of the remote to actually have a a culture of multicultural interest? Is it easier or harder to have this multicultural interest? I yeah, think to manage it, to manage it. To manage it, uh, different question. Okay, the mm-hmm. interest is certainly there for sure. Managing is quite different. My experience has been this. I would have thought pre-pandemic that it would have been a good thing, but I'm now finding actually, even within our own culture, we are all probably native English speakers. We can still have communication breakdowns due to our contexts and uh, assumptions, etc. So. I would say 10 years ago when I was doing a lot of cross-cultural global work, global teams, et cetera, I thought it was just unique. And I thought all U.S. Americans don't have that problem for the most part. And now I'm finding, no, it's actually the same across cultures. Even within our own culture, we still have communication breakdowns, what to speak of within the global culture. So pre-pandemic, my experience was, uh, it was more of a, not a niche, but it was only multi Uh, global organizations, multinational organizations that had to deal with that challenge of, you know, our team in India talking with our team, our management team in the U.S. and, uh, you know, results not being made due to miscommunication. Now, with all of us or a lot of us working remotely, uh, it has spread wide open, that kind of miscommunication based on, uh, as I already mentioned, assumptions, et cetera. So I think it's actually, I don't want to say it has gotten worse, but uh, it's exacerbated. 
Yeah, you know, there's a, a lot of good example yeah. of that is like, you know, go over to England where they speak English over there too, but I have no idea what half the time what they're talking about. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's context. And not only that, I was on a call with some of my uh, British colleagues the other day and I brought in one of my American colleagues that does not have that global experience. And I rolled right into the conversation with my Brit friends. I call them my Brit friends. And, uh, you know, there were jokes and there were some uh, read between the lines kind of uh, innuendos that, that, that were on the top were not jokes, but if you read between the lines, were kind of jokes. And the, the colleague who was with me asked me after the call, what was all that about? I'm like, that's, that's how we roll. There's a little bit of that dry humor. And there's a communication style that I naturally kind of coach switch into having had the international experience that other people aren't aware of, to your point. Yeah. So you're able to help large organizations sort of transform their communication programs and their way of dealing with each other. What did what are some of the number one mistakes that you're seeing and the way that you advise your clients to fix them? The first of all is assumptions and taking things at face value. So I learned this way back when I was at Microsoft about 10 years ago. I worked at Microsoft in India where I led a team of software engineers who were the help desk for large US corporations. The cloud goes bad, you're losing thousands of dollars a minute. You call the team over at Microsoft in India. These are the best, the cream of the crop, speak English. Some of them were native English speakers, even in their home. And yet Americans, the American side in this case, for example, will take things at face value. They don't get curious. They don't ask more questions to get the context, to get the more facts, to, to connect the dots, to understand what needs to be done, what decisions need to be made. Same flip side, my Indian uh tech guys and gals would not ask as many questions of the American. They would assume at the top level what the American meant. And that's where a lot of the confusion happens. Mm -hmm. So for example, I'll just give you a quick example. Uh, when I would, when I would coach or, you know, consult with American based in the U S American leaders and managers that had a team in India, for example, and they would ask the team in India, Hey, are we going to have this project done by Friday, my time close of business? And the response from the Indian team member is, we'll do our level best, sir. And the American manager with maybe little global experience and understanding what that actually means under the surface takes that at face value and says, great, should have it by Friday, only to find out on Friday it didn't arrive. And then they find out later there were all kinds of reasons why it didn't happen. I know, having lived in India and having lived around the world, that there are indirect styles of communication and some cultures are averse to just telling a client uh, or a person of a hierarchy or anybody directly, no, we won't have that on Friday. So we'll do our level best, sir. I know that's a no, don't count on it. The American that's manager really takes that as a example. Can't wait for Friday. So I would coach those American managers and ask and tell them and instruct them or show them how, tell me more about that. You know, what's the plan B? What's holding, you know, what are the roadblocks that you see? And as they peel that onion back through just asking questions, getting curious, of that Indian associate, in this case, the Indian associate that said, we'll do our level best, they come to find out, actually, they won't get it on Friday because of X, Y, Z circumstances. So I'll, I'll pause there. What's the number one obstacle that you see with, with managers about that, that prohibits them or inhibits their ability then to be more curious, to ask follow-up questions and the like? Because I see it a lot. First of all, we may think we know it all, or we may think that we're supposed to know it all, given my title, given my tenure, given the expectations that we're 
laid on me when I accepted this role. And so some of it's fear-based. I should know this. And so I have to pretend that I do. Mm. And in those cases, they don't ask questions. They don't ask for feedback. Not only that, if they did ask for feedback, it may not be specific, actionable feedback. So for example, as your leader, how am I doing? You rock, Luis. Great. Well, what do I do with that? How do I? I rock. So what? Specific feedback. We need to ask for feedback. How am I doing in terms of this? What can I do to improve? What am I doing well? So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot to answer your question. That's number one. The other thing is I think as human beings, it's really hard for us to see ourselves 100% and completely objectively. And we need other people to, to help us, to let us know if we're headed in the right direction mm -hmm. in terms of our leadership, or we're not headed in the right direction. Cause sometimes we may fool ourselves and think we are, or we may not be hearing the feedback saying, hey, you might want to make a, you know, a left turn, a proverbial left turn here, Luis. It doesn't look like you're headed towards your goals. I'm not asking for it, number one, and I'm not getting it, number two, the feedback. So I assume, remember that word assume from when we were kids, you remember that mm -hmm. rhyme? Mm -hmm. I assume it's all good, only to find out gradually, then suddenly, boom, the floor drops out from underneath me and there's a mistake, rework, we've lost a client or pff, disaster or someone got hurt. So I think to answer your question, yeah, we don't know what we don't know. We don't ask for it. And then we have this sense of, uh, you know, I need to fill the role. I need to fill those expectations. And if I ask questions and if I ask for feedback, it may have, may make others, it may give me the perception that I'm, that I don't have it together. If that makes any sense. No, you can't different. see your own blind spots. So you Thank assume that are not there. Yes. Yes. And how do we, how do we even know if we have blind spots? We got to ask, Hey, what, what are you seeing team that I'm not seeing mm -hmm. help me? And then I can better help you. We can make better decisions that way and enjoy more success. Jerry Maguire, right help, me help me help you. Help you. <laughs> <laughs> so your company's true. Fierce, Fierce Inc. Right. And so you can yep. help people learn all the international phrases that really mean no, which is helpful. But like you said, saying no is difficult for some people in general or to an end client, like you said. So let's bridge over into the fine art of having difficult conversations, which is another area of you and your company's expertise. Yes. So uh, uh, how do you have yeah. them when you are extremely averse to having them? Extremely averse to having difficult conversations? Yes. Yeah, well, good luck with that because difficult <laughs> conversations in my experience, uh, are a regular thing. And I, yeah, my context, the way I, the way I look at those are, and funny that I facilitate how to have effective, fierce conversations, and it's a work in progress uh, with me. So um, I want to go back to your question though. Can you, can you repeat the question for me, please? Just what, what is the best way if you're averse to having them? Or even you could use yourself as an example. You say you're a work in progress. What is the thing yeah. that's holding you up or that you wrestle with well, I don't want to hurt this person's feelings or yeah. uh, what, what are the things that hold us up and are holding you up from being better? First of all, it? fear. You, you named it right there. The first thing is fear. Will I ruin the relationship? Is it going to make it weird to work with this person? We have a good relationship or maybe it's not so good and this is going to make it worse how we work together. I might be wrong. I might look like a fool. I might uncover some involvement in whatever issue that I want to raise that I had part in. I may not want to do that. But at the end of the day, there's some sort of fear. Then, and I'll speak for myself, I may talk myself out of 
having this difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. I may, you know, find all the reasons why, and it may even be simple as the, the stars are not aligned properly today. There's a full moon coming up, avoid that, or they're not in the right mood. It's not the right time. And then that allows me to keep procrastinating and postponing this difficult conversation. So what I share with people and what I teach when I facilitate and the conversation I have with myself when I come to these kinds of situations is, I look at it in two ways. What's the result? What's the risk? What's the cost? Perhaps what's the danger if I stay quiet and I don't say anything? If I oh. choose not to say anything, what does that look like next quarter? Let's talk business terms. What does that look like next quarter? What does it look like next year? It's probably not going to get better. If there's something that needs to be brought up, a conversation that needs to be had, a problem that needs to be addressed or a breakdown or whatever it is, in my experience in life, it's rare that those things work out on their own. We need to address them. So I look what at happens the one is, is that Yeah, that small problem, actually, it grows. It grows. So it's like, and I see this a lot in sales, particularly when you have a salesperson then that uh, needs to go over the head of their, their primary contact because that's where the real decision maker is. Well, I'm afraid I might piss off, you know, Sally Jones over here. I was like, wait a minute, we've built a great relationship. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't know. It's like, it's a million reasons and million excuses and everything like that, all fear-based. So at, at what point, you know, can we coach people to say, you know, it's okay to have fear, but do it anyway. <laughs> You got to do it. And here's why I'll pick up where I left off. One side of the coin is what's the risk, the cost, whatever, however you want to name it. If I don't have the conversation, more than likely, that's not going to look very good. Then I look at the other side of the coin and I say, what's to gain if I have the conversation and it goes well? Because if I don't have the conversation, I can't expect anything to change. I can't expect any different results. So what do I gain? And I'll make a mental note or even maybe I'll write it down. I'm like, gosh, there's so much to gain here. And then with that in my hand, in my mental hand or however you want to word it, I'll approach the person and I'll keep it real. This is what we teach with fierce conversations. It's being authentic. Mm -hmm. So for example, Lee, if it were you and I was having a fear in my mind about, you know, having this challenging conversation, this difficult conversation with you for fear of whatever, I come into the conversation first with perhaps letting you know in a very authentic way, this might be a little difficult for me, Lee. Uh, we got a great relationship and I'm not sure, I'm, I'm feeling a little nervous, but I feel the need to tell you here's why. If I don't speak up, I see these results that don't look good. So here's what's up, here's the issue, and then I'll stop. I will not come in with my, here's what I think we should do, here's what I think you should do, or any of that. I will stop and I'll immediately get curious. Lee, what are your thoughts? Lee, how do you see this? Lee, how'd you come to this conclusion? And I'll continue to get curious. And as we say at Fierce, interrogate your reality, not interrogate you, but I'm going to keep peeling that onion back to find out more and more about how you see it, your perspective, how you came to this conclusion, whatever it is. Now I've provoked learning. I see how you see it. I may not agree with it. Mm -hmm. I may think it was a bad decision, but I see with clarity now, aha, I got it. When I, when I get curious with you, you will probably more than likely start to ask me, how do you see it, Luis? Mm -hmm. Now we're interrogating each other's reality. We've provoked learning. Now we're better equipped to tackle that tough challenge, whatever Two it is. Two things happened there, though. Uh, but you made a statement, you know, that this is, this is going to be difficult for me. We're disarming. So immediately, you know, I want to I reach out to you and I say, oh, it, it's okay, Luis. So just, you, you can be straight with me. It was like, you know, it's, it, you, you know I'm going to try to make you feel more comfortable. So you got that going on. Uh, you know, that, that's, 
I know that that's really the most important thing out of those two things, actually. It, it boils down to human connection to me. Look, science has proven it. There were two Nobel prizes won that proved at the end of the day, we human beings make decisions from an emotional place first, a rational place second. And that goes into marketing. That goes into mm -hmm. sales. I, if I have a good relationship with you, Audrey, I'm going to follow you. And if I have a great relationship with you, but some other salesperson from a competitor offers me the same, whatever it is, service or gadget at a little bit of a lower price, I'm going to have to think about that because it's the relationship with you that I'm that actually is serving me. And let me finish that so, thought, Luis, because the second yeah. thing there, th that happened was that you protect yourself from your own assumptions, from looking like a complete fool, that if you go in there guns a-blazing based off of what you believe <laughs> to be true and it's an assumption and it's not true or whatever, you look like a first-class idiot. Yeah. So this is a way you've, you're protecting yourself from yourself by, by being yeah. curious just to, to check to see if your assumptions that you have actually are reality. Can I add to that? So if you in turn start to ask me, Luis, how do you see it? What are your thoughts or whatever? I may preface it by saying, hey, there may be more to the story here that I'm aware of. Let's honor that. There may mm -hmm. be more pieces here of the puzzle that I don't know. There, about. there might there be information that I'm not privy to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But from what I do know, here's what I see. And if I look forward to next quarter, it's not looking good. So <laughs> what do we do, Lee? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Having worked for people who shoot now and ask questions later, I love this approach. And then you also advise your clients to set up a step-by-step -step action plan so the two of you can feel really good about realigning where you're going. What do you do if somebody just completely disagrees with everything that you're going to that bringing to them in this fierce conversation and they just won't pivot with you? Then what do you do? A couple of things I want to say. Well, first of all, that's fine. It happens all the time. We all have perspectives mm -hmm. <laughs> and sometimes they clash. That's fine. Uh, given that we have different perspectives, uh, given that we have two completely different ideas on how to move forward with this. At the end of the day, if we're working for an organization and we have leaders to report to and results to show, at the end of the day, Audrey, you and I got to show some results by the end of this quarter. So given that we're not seeing eye to eye and that requires another fierce conversation, how do we align ourselves? How do we do this? Maybe I give and take a little bit. We'll go with your plan this time. That's another conversation. I won't get into the weeds of, of that sure. now, but that makes sense. That's where that's where we go with that. First of all, you know, we have different perspectives. I still honor you. I still respect you. Our relationship is still tight. And I think your idea is completely nuts. <laughs> and if we have a good relationship, I can say that. We can go have a drink after that conversation and talk about it. But it's the relationship. It's the trust. And that's why it's so important to come in first with curiosity and saying things like, hey, I might not have the whole story here, Audrey, but what I do know, this is what I see. Let's talk about that. Are, are some cultures more open to, to that? So, uh, for example, you know, is, is an American in general, again, we don't want to paint with too broad of a brush here. Right. Yep, but, yep. you know, is an American, for example, more likely than to want to believe that they can do anything, whether they can do it or not? And, and, and then maybe you have somewhere in Great Britain that believes, well, it's the belief that kills you. So... Yes, um, you, I, I think and generally speaking, and this is from my experience, I'm not going to back it up with any research or anything, but from my global experience over the last 25 or 30 years, we Americans tend to be very optimistic and tend to be very, you can do it, and the sky is the limit and all of that, and that's a concept, that's a context. In other places in the world, I don't want to say they're fatalistic, that's the wrong word, but there's a different worldview this is your place in society. This is your role in society. Don't make waves. Don't stand out. Stand 
in you know alignment with everyone else and so that creates sometimes you know a little bit of breakdown in communication as well when me the american goes in and says hey lee you know gosh i, I want to keep it real with you and i want to share with you tell me what's going on from your perspective that in another culture may throw up red flags for that person there's some ulterior motive here i've never had this kind of a conversation before it's not business related from the get-go what is this i've experienced that in india myself with some of the team members that i had that i had what been happened? coaching well, it took a while to establish a relationship. They saw me as the American culture and language specialist who's here to teach us something. And I get in a coaching session. And I'm like, what's the most important thing you want to talk about today? What's keeping you up at night with your job? How can I support you? And they're like, whoa, because they're used to directives coming from mm -hmm. the top. They're in a hierarchical uh, framework in that culture where hierarchy and roles and titles are really respected. And there's a certain... Uh, way that you act and talk when you, you know, fall into those categories. Again, Lee, things are different now with, you know, maybe, you know, five years later in, in the situation we are now, but that's what it was for me. And this is what I'm, I'm relating this to. What if I, I come to you where I'm asking about making small talk and I'm asking about your wife and kids and everything like that. It's like, uh, I taught that. I taught a course in how to make small talk U.S. Americans when I was in India. You want to talk about that? Yeah. yeah. So you don't do that, right? Or do you? No, well, you do at Microsoft because you want to establish a good relationship with your high-end American Microsoft partners and clients. <laughs> you got to. Okay. You got to. Okay. So the questions I, I love this. This is a great. This is a great one. I'll never forget it. Why do the Americans want to know what the weather is like here? Who cares? I'm supposed to fix their issue. It's freaking hot. <laughs> Why do they care where I am in the world? I'm here to fix their issue. And so I had to, you know, train them and tell them this is how U.S. Americans in general build trust. And so I had to I had to teach them how to make small talk. Real quickly, if I can spend 30 seconds and share it. Yeah, with no, you I love it. Lapping yeah. yeah. the spoon. <laughs> that they all love badminton. And I say they all, let's not paint a wide brush, but badminton is very popular in that part of the world and including in India. So I would tell them the American serves you the birdie. Boom. What's the weather over there? Or where are you in the world? You serve it back. Boom. I'm in Bangalore, India. If it doesn't come back, you can get back to work and make clicking noises with your mouth. What's the weather like over there? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah. What's the weather like over there? You send it back. Super hot over here. How about you? And when that birdie doesn't come back, you can get back to work. But then I told them you cannot have, and I used to listen to their recordings and I'd catch them on it and I'd have to train them again. You can't have more than 10 seconds of dead air. Well, what if there's nothing to say? And what if I'm clearing caches and emptying, you know, doing what they do on the tech side? You got to make noises with your mouth. You got to hum. You got to go, hum, 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 do, do, do. I'm going to move this over here. We'll go ahead and delete these files. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, Americans don't. Generally speaking, are not comfortable with long periods of silence. And not only that, they'll think that you've dropped the call. Mm -hmm. Really, sir? Yes, yeah. sir. So let me show you how to make those noises. And I would show them how to do that. I'll move this over here, drag and drop that there. We'll just go ahead and delete these files. <laughs> what about when the roles are reversed, though? So like now, now we're the Americans. We're talking to our counterparts mm -hmm. in India or in other parts mm -hmm. of the world or something like that. Mm -hmm. What do we have to be mindful of? Well, first of all, don't, don't, don't be satisfied with what you hear on the surface. That's my first rule of thumb. Ask more questions, mm -hmm. dig deep, get more information because they're high, they tend to be in that part of the world, high context communicators. Why were you late this morning? 
Well, sir, see, it was like this. I had to boil the milk this morning for the baby before I caught the bus. Then the milk boiled over. So my wife was coming and, you know, here comes the story and it's going around and around. And I'm the American guy. And I'm like, just get to the point, man. Why are you mm -hmm. late for work? The point is there, but it might take five minutes and there's a whole story around it. So that's why it's important for us Americans that are very direct and very to the point uh, to ask more questions because it's contextual. We got to get more context, put the dots together to come to the realization that, oh, I won't have that report on Friday because Rajiv is going to a wedding this week, which is 500 kilometers away in his village. And he's going to be off for seven days and he's leaving that project. And it's going to take him forever to find a wedding outfit, too. Yeah, oh, the wedding's going no, to do. Oh, but the wedding, he's going to be gone for five days. And that's another thing for the American yeah. managers. Okay, Rajiv has got to go for a wedding. Okay, what? He'll be gone Friday, back Monday. Oh, no, sir. <laughs> Village is two mile, two, two days train trip. Wedding is three, four days. And he's got to come back. He'll be gone seven days, sir. Okay, yeah. that's where you start asking more questions. What's plan B? Who's leading the project? I needed it by Friday. I communicated that. Doesn't sound like it's going to happen. What's the plan? And then you just you dive in there. And then eventually more information will come out. They're trying to save face. They're trying to save a lot of faces. They don't want to throw anyone else under the bus. And the Americans have to remember that that may not be the person you need to speak with on that because of their role or their title and how they feel about that. Where in, a, in the United States, you might ask me and I might be able to speak for my CEO because I know what my CEO would said would say. And I'm, I'm okay with that, but not in those other cultures where that hierarchy is very much respected. They may feel uncomfortable if I'm asking all those questions. So these are the things that we Americans need to be aware of on that other side. I'm curious, uh, we're almost out of time, but uh, is, I know in Japan, business culture has very formal rules and mm -hmm. customs. Yep. Um, it seems like one of the more complicated um, dynamics to learn. What country do you regard as the one that we should be, I mean, we should be mindful of all of this, but is there one that's way more complicated for your clients to learn than others in terms of? I would say, yes, I would say Japanese okay. is one of the, the most hey, I complicated. Got it right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very complicated. And I, and I have to give, a, I, have, I have to say that I've not lived, worked in Japan. I've worked with, in collaboration with Japanese teams and US American teams and helping and managers and helping them bridge those communication gaps. Uh, very challenging. India can be challenging as well, but a little more forgiving, I think. Interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, Fierce Inc. is the name of your company, fierceinc.com. And I see, a, yep. is that a book over your shoulder there in the background? So tell yes, us about the is, book before we sign off. Yes, Fierce Conversations, written by my CEO and founder, Susan Scott. This is where everything started. I recommend to the listeners, get a copy of Fierce Conversations. It'll change your conversations and your results. Guaranteed it did mine. I'm still a student. Uh, so are we, we. All, all students. We yeah. never stop learning. Thanks a lot, Luis. This is a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Nice it to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.